Aloha, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Coach. This is Jeff Reinbold, and we are back again to bring you another edition, um, our Thanksgiving weekend edition of Coffee with Coach. Mike, come on out here. There he is, the magic one, magical Mike. How are you doing, my friend? Happy Thanksgiving, Jeff, and also happy birthday. It's your birthday since we were last on, so... Yeah, I've, I've had so many of them. It's just they all run together, my man. Somebody asked me the other day how old I was, and I said, I don't know. I was too young when I was born to remember. So <laughs> Fred Flunk, has, he's always in. He's he gives it's us a hard a night for Fred talk. last night, Jeff. It was a yeah, boy, I tell you what, we're going to talk about a question that Fred brought to me on Twitter, which I thought was a great question and, and really worth diving into a little bit. What have you been doing with your time during this Thanksgiving weekend? How much football have you watched? Oh man, I'm 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 gonna be open and honest. I fell hi Owen, by the way. I, I fell asleep last night at um midway through the second quarter of the Bill Saints game. I, I just my, my body couldn't take anymore. I think that what didn't help, like look, it was fantastic to have football on the Thursday night for us. That Lions Bears game was uh purgatory. What one could say it was it was probably the most the closest thing oh, i'm only joking i love the cowboys raiders game you know as a neutral especially going into the like the end of the fourth quarter thursday night you're sitting there relaxing going to overtime it's just a great game but uh, I'm, I'm looking like i mean i'm already looking forward to sunday's games now jeff you know you got a few great games and there's fred saying that you fell asleep at 12 uh, 30 a.m but the zebras were awful in the dallas game i uh I don't know one, but uh. well, you know what? I, I watched the Bears because uh, I had to do a piece for Sky as part of the broadcast, uh, a remote. But I watched the Bears Lions game, and a couple of things were really evident to me. Number one, the Bears front seven is still an elite bunch. Now they don't have Khalil Mack, but they're still an elite bunch. Robert Quinn is having a great season. They're big and strong inside. Uh, their linebackers can run. Their secondary is a little bit suspect, but on the other side of the ball, the Bears, you know, Andy Dalton is just good enough to beat teams like the Lions and some of these other teams. I don't know, you know, obviously he's not the long-term solution there, and uh, but that, you know, it's painful a little bit to watch. Mooney's going to be a good player, and, you know, I think Kyle Komet's going to be a good player, but that offensive line still has needs a lot of work, and the running game, it was just non-existent for the Lions. Boy, oh boy, a lot of work to do. That offensive line of theirs, I don't know how many holding calls they had, but they had way too many. And you know, when they when they lost their good back, it was tough on them. They, you know, just not a lot of weapons on that football team. We'll get back into that in a minute because we've got our first guest on. I'll just say this first off, Jeff, you were missed last night on TV. Uh, the cutting of the turkey. Oh, it, it, like, I missed it, man. It, like, it was a great show, obviously. I had Dante Hall was on and stuff, but yeah, definitely, you were definitely missed last night, man. Well, I miss being over there, but you know what? We got business to take care of yet. We got, we're in playoff mode, so we're going to spend some time talking about the CFL playoffs with our next guest, who yes, sir. is uh, a guy that is now working in the UK, but uh, hails from the great city of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, the defending Great Cup champions. Anthony Wooten, welcome to have, welcome with this. Uh, good to have you here. This is the joys of live, uh, live streaming. I think Anthony's on mute. 
you may be on mute or if it's your audio come back in this is I, I love Jeff I love doing this live people listening to the podcast you'll be like what is going on here <laughs> Uh, well, we'd I, like to have Anthony's yeah. voice if we can get it. Anthony, go out and come straight back in again and see if it works. But I, I'm here. I'll, I'll hit the button. Don't worry. It's all good. Yeah, I feel, I feel bad for him because it's live. And look, this happened. Me, this, this happened to us last week on, on a different show. Here, here he is again. Let's, let's see it. Can we hear? It? Let's see. Is it work? No, it's not working. It's not working. Now I will message you right now and tell you how to get it working. Okay, two seconds. I'll somehow try and speak to Jeff here, um, and see if it works. I love doing this live seriously like honestly man this is uh fun who's your second guest tonight which is what we're waiting on because you've got our a big guest guy. our second guest is a really a big time guy he's a, he's a member of the University of Georgia Football Hall of Fame he is a member of the Canadian Football League Hall of Fame he was an all-american linebacker at the University of Georgia he was one of the original junkyard dogs uh he is a member of the Florida versus Georgia, which is called the biggest cock outdoor cocktail party in the world every year. He's a part of that Hall of Fame. He is a really, really interesting guy and a, and a friend of mine. Um, ben Zambiazzi will be, will be on the show. And I know you're going to love hearing Ben talk about his days in, at Georgia and, and getting drafted by the Chicago Bears and, you know, having a career in Canada, Hall of Fame career in Canada. And now what he's doing uh as a retiree up here in the in the great white north hoping to get anthony on in a minute or so appreciate anthony's patience getting the money I, I can't wait to hear about the cfl you've got a game on sunday yeah yeah we do. we're in we're in full playoff mode it's it's elimination football as the playoffs always are so everything's more intense the preparation's more intense all of it um but uh, again we've got montreal in our stadium it's going to be they're, they're calling for check this out michael they are calling for weather of minus degrees right as cold as minus 20 snow right? degrees celsius yeah and now again think about that that's what it's going to feel that's what it's supposed to feel like so it, it will be bitterly cold and snow the one thing is if it's that cold i can't see how we're going to have much snow but the wind is the biggest thing and the wind's supposed to come out of the northeast which is right off the lake so it will it will be a factor a huge factor in the game and it's going to be it's going to be a sold out crowd, and it's going to be a great environment, regardless of how cold it is. Six p.m. Sunday. I know I'll be watching that with the NFL, Jeff. I wish you all the very, very best. Before we bring Anthony and go check him out right now, he's coming in and out. He's putting on different earphones. Hopefully that'll work. Uh, we'll get Anthony in two seconds. If you are watching this, if you comment on YouTube or Facebook, just search "Coffee with Coach Ryan." Bull. It can go up on the screen, and I'll try and read some other ones out as well. If you get it up on the screen, we'll we'll address it. Let's see what happens. Hopefully, Anthony's works. Uh, I'm praying to God this works. Anthony, can you hear me? Can I hear you? I can hear you. You sound oh, like chipmunks. Can you hear me? No, I, you're good. You, you sound wonderful. You can't hear me. Oh, you can All hear right. me. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we, we can hear you perfect. All good. Go All right. On. All right. You sound like Alvin and the chipmunks with my headset. But we can roll with this, Jeff. I heard you talking about the wind chill. You know what? That is. I don't think guys over here really appreciate. Just what how how harsh that wind chill can be, man. You know, I've got well, this trophy here. I think I showed it last time I was uh, I was on with you. We won that back in the, in '88 Pop Warner Pee Wee Champions in Winnipeg, and we played it in November. It was freezing, freezing cold. I remember the coaches just telling you, 
put your hands in the warm part of your body. You know where that is, down around your crotch or underneath your armpits. And we just had to just make do. I can't remember what the score was, but I just remember the victory. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be that kind of weekend all over Canada this weekend. We've got games. Uh, you've got the Eastern semifinal here in Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. It's supposed to be snow and very cold, bitterly cold. Uh, then in Regina, Saskatchewan, Calgary and Saskatchewan will do battle. And you know Saskatchewan this time of year. I'll tell you a story, Anthony. We played in the Grey Cup in Saskatchewan in 2013. It, what would have been a week previous to this, right, would have been the, the third week in November. We went out to practice, and we lost two players due to frostbite. <laughs> so you can imagine what <laughs> it's like. It. So the you know, but but that's Canada. That's Canadian football and the weather and the wind and all of those things factor in. You will see, I promise viewers, if you watch the game, you will see things that you cannot believe actually happened with the ball and, and the kicking game and all of it. So it'll be it'll be exciting. It, it's gonna be it's fantastic. It's on BT Sport ESPN for those of you who want to uh, give it a watch. I know we got the NFL on Sky Sports, but you got two exciting playoff games this weekend. And you know you got the rouge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. It's it's all go. And you know what? You tune in to CFL football, and it's it's over like that. You've got twelve on twelve, but I mean the scenes are just fantastic. I remember the Grey Cup that. Oh, well, you were you were there, Jeff. I'm sorry to bring it back, but you know when the when the Bombers won it a couple of years ago, over in Calgary, and it was it was cold there as well. You know, and yeah, the weather can fluctuate in Calgary because if you get the Chinooks coming in then you've got the warm weather like we saw in the Winter Olympics in 88. But, uh, yeah, CFL well, football, I, baby. I think it's going to be really interesting because they're both – both semifinal games are going to be great games. Uh, you know, Montreal features a, a running back – stand back kid they got is really, really a good football player. He's big, strong back. Uh, had led the league in rushing in 2019, went back down to the NFL, went to the Raiders, came back. Uh, he's he was playing extremely well. He's a real high level player. Um, and then you know you we have had played great defense. And you know Jeremiah Mazzoli, our quarterbacks, played much better the second half of the season. Dane Evans, a backup, gives us kind of a one-two punch at quarterback. And then you go over to the you know the Western semifinal, and you know Saskatchewan was was came into our place at nine and four the last weekend of the season they're a very good football team they are really talented football team they're at home in a tough place to play mosaic stadium is a tough place to play but calgary is one of those teams that winning is in their dna so i expect that both games are going to go right down to the last possession of the game yeah like you say calgary it's they're they're almost like the New England Patriots, aren't they? In, in the, the CFL, whereas they're they're there or thereabouts. If they're not winning it, they're always in with the shout. You never know. You can never never bet against Calgary. But then they, you know the West, they got to go into Winnipeg, man. And then yep. they all head to Hamilton for the Grey Cup. My my brother's going to be there at the weekend. Well, he's you, you make Hamilton sure. down to uh, down to Oakville. But you uh, be sure, he's, you be he's sure to tell him to look me up. And hey, let me tell you, as a bomber fan, I got to ask you this. Um, you know, uh, they made the decision to not play Zach Collaris in the what would have been their 13th game. Uh, they were 11 and one at that time. And they went into Montreal and got beat and then played Zach very sparingly in the last game of the year. Right. So they, they've struggled a little bit down down the end. 
that's the age-old dilemma that all coaches go through when you clinch the playoffs early. How much do you play your play, play players? How much do you rest them? How much do you expose them to injury? What's your take on that? Matt, watching it, they've been so dominant throughout the season. And, you know, they've, they've had the X marked next to their name for Lord knows how long now. And so they, they've had the playoff and they, they've had the, the buy booked. And you, you look at it and you think, okay, it does give you a chance to kind of just take stock, maybe give some guys some experience and, and rest some guys. My caution's been, especially over the, the run over the last couple of games where they've gone LL, is football's also about momentum, isn't it? You know, both sides of the border. And if you're losing games, it's not good. And you don't want to develop that habit of losing. Now, look, they, they're not going to go into the, the conference final next week uh, with a, a mentality of losing. But they also, they, they've taken away that air of invincibility about them. And they've been so dominant throughout the season. So I, I get it in one standpoint that they're resting some of their, their star players and they're going to be fresh. They're going to head into the bye, they can recuperate, and then they can come out the bye. But the only issue there as well is that they come out the bye, they've had a couple of defeats. How fresh or how, I guess, how they're not going to be game ready. In, in that regards, but they're professional athletes, so you would trust them and they're so well prepared. But I would, I'd rather them have gone into the bye full strength and okay, you go into those games, they could play some part in those games. And then, you know, if, if you're having a dominant performance going into the final quarter, then pull the guys out, rest them. But I'd rather they would have continued that momentum just because, like I said, it's that air of invincibility. And they've, they've been so, so superior throughout the season. Whereas now teams can look at them and go, well, actually, we could take them. Well, I think it's going to be interesting, no, no question, because you can play off football such a completely different animal than, than regular season football. You grew up a Winnipegger. You grew up a Bombers fan. They try and explain to you, again, as you know, Anthony, we've got viewers and listeners all the way from you know, Japan and Hawaii all the way to Russia and every spot in between. But that beautiful new stadium that they have in Winnipeg, when they're when they have the Western final, you know, it's 60 minutes from the championship, 60 minutes from a trip to the Great Cup. Talk about what that environment in the stadium is like. Oh my goodness. Like, listen, bit of context. Winnipeg. It's, it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? It is uh, an oasis in a field of wheat and lakes. And this time of year, it's freezing. It's dark. People, they don't get out as much. But you get, and it's, it's what? It's a population. It's probably grown now to about 750,000 people. So it's a city. It's not a huge city. Two main things in Winnipeg, hockey and their CFL football. Now, their hockey, they've got a great, NHL team in the Winnipeg Jets who have been consistent performers in the NHL getting to the playoffs the last few seasons. They even got to the Western Conference Finals a couple of seasons ago and eventually lost to the uh, Stanley Cup winners in the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They won the Grey Cup. They are the defending Grey Cup champions. They won it in 2019. 
it has been a long time. It was a long time before then since they had any success on the football field. Now, this city is a passionate city. Like I said, Manitoba is a huge state. Bit of context. Manitoba, you could fit France in Manitoba twice and Great Britain. That is how big it is. And you've got this main city right down in the south of Manitoba. So it's not just Winnipeg football, it's Manitoba football. You've got Portage of Prairie, you've got Brandon, you've got all the surrounding areas. You know, this time of year, you get the conference final coming into a city of 750,000 people. And it's a beautiful city, but let's say, you know, London. London has got, it's a metropolitan city. It's got so much going for it and so much in the, in the surrounding areas. Winnipeg, it's got a lot going for it, but it's not the biggest city. So football is, it's, it's not the be all and end all, but it is such, it's a, it's a huge sport. It's a huge part of what that city is. So when you get the conference final coming in and you've got Western conference rivals in your Western division coming in, be it Calgary or Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan, look, they've got their own game called the banjo bowl between the two. You know, there is, there's this intense, intense rivalry between the two and they've got it on home turf. That place I guarantee you is going to be rocking. You talk about Lambo and the fanatics, the fans that are there and how that stadium bounces and buzzes. That is a small city where football is, is its lifeblood in Winnipeg. Football and hockey is its lifeblood, and it's a city not that much bigger, really. Well, I guess you know it is. It is quite bigger than uh, than Green Bay, but a freezing cold winter. You know the fans—they've got something to cheer about, and they got football. It's going to be absolutely buzzing. I guarantee you that, and you know that, Jeff. You know what yeah, it's I, like. I, I've been I've been here on both sides of that coin. So. <laughs> hey, um, keep get, get us updated with what you've been doing since we talked to you last. Well, man, yeah, look, uh, the Transatlantic Sports Show, the podcast is going from uh, strength to strength. Just recorded an interview today with um, uh, a Rams analyst. We're taking a, a look at the Rams coming out of the bye week. But, dude, I've been, uh, I was all over the London games covering those. Uh, you guys may have heard it around the world, some of the stuff I did on, the, on BBC World Service. Also worked for the company Stats Perform. So we cover a lot of NFL so, for example, uh, this week we, we dive into the, uh, the data analytics and we tell the story around some of the key games uh, using some of the best data around, if not the best data in, uh, in football and in the world, actually. Uh, we have Opta as part of our arm as well. Uh, this week, done a special preview, actually data preview on the, uh, the, the Colts and Bucks, you know, focusing on Arians. We all know the success and it was you know, well, let's not forget it was that was his launchpad into head coaching um, under unique circumstances. Uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, so we tell a bit of a story about that in our video. Uh, we, we hear from Tom Brady, and Frank Reich was just he was raving about Brady as you would expect as a former quarterback, and you know just talking about the abilities and the strength of this forty-four-year-old quarterback's arms. And we've seen on Monday Night Football forty-four-year-old hurdling over players. Interesting hearing. Uh, Chris Godwin actually this week talking about that. And he's like, I can't believe this dude. He's 44 years old and he's running and I've seen him sliding, but no, he's not sliding. He's going ahead first. It's just unbelievable. Um, so doing a, a lot, a lot of stuff. So just, you know, just telling the, the story of the game that we love, man. It's just, just working it, feeling absolutely privileged to, uh, to be a part of it. 
hook up regularly with uh, NFL UK as part of the NFL Writers Network. A few of the guys, Richard Graves is there, Neil Reynolds is uh, is a part of it. We get together um, pretty much monthly and uh, and have a chat around things around the uh, NFL UK, the NFL. We got a, a hookup coming up soon. You know, we'll be looking ahead to the Super Bowl and all sorts. So, yeah, man, busy, busy, busy. All right. So, so tell me now. Uh, one of the big things that people are talking about, one of the things people are chewing on, is the fact that it's very, very clear at this point in the season, in my mind, that there isn't a quote dominant team. There's not a team that you can say at this point in the team that's they're going to be in the Super Bowl particularly in the AFC. I think the AFC is wide open. What's your take, Anthony, on the AFC? The AFC. Well, you know what? You look you look at the Buffalo Bills and you look at what they did last night. And I know the uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, is a team that uh, they're, they're banged up. And they're going through a rough patch. And you know what? Uh, I write betting tips. And ahead of that game, and I'd seen the the injuries that the uh, that the Saints had. And I was quite tempted to take the under on uh, on 19 points wish i did but i didn't but you you can only beat what's in front of you right and the bills were dominant last night but then you would have expected that performance against the jacks but then they struggle and they lose 9-6 to the jacksonville jaguars are they the strongest team in the afc you would question you probably say no but then before that you would before last week, you're thinking, okay, well, the Tennessee Titans, they're cooking, they're rocking, they're beating everybody in front of them, you know, and Derrick Henry's out. And then suddenly they lose to the Texans. And now we're looking at the New England Patriots. And we're thinking, here we go. You know, they've got the Titans coming up. They beat the Titans. All of a sudden, they're top dogs. Just two weeks ago, before the Dolphins game, Thursday night football, I'm talking to guys in a WhatsApp group saying, you know, it's, it's been a while. I'm going to admit it's been a while for, for me to, to warm to uh, Lamar Jackson as, uh, as, a, as an all-around QB. But ahead of that game, I'm, I'm messaging guys and going, you know what, Lamar, Lamar is the man. He's, he's won me over. I'm all in on Lamar Jackson. AFC team, Baltimore Ravens, watch them go. This is, this is their conference. This is their year. They're going all the way. And then they go and do what they did against the Miami Dolphins. You know, like, well, what, what's what's going on here? Um, so, in answer to your question, who do I think in the AFC? Ah, you know what, Bill Belichick, man, they they found their groove, and I I can't, I don't think we can sleep on the New England Patriots. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid, and you think, well, something's going to click, and they're winning, they're getting the job done, but they're not dominant, are they? Like they they have been. The past two or three seasons so they're gettable interesting listening to tom brady this week he was asked a question about thanksgiving and why at thanksgiving is it a turning point in the season and it becomes the business end of the season and then he was asked why last year remember the the buccaneers they had their bye week in week 13 so they got out of thanksgiving they had the uh, the bye week the following week, and then we all know what happened. They they won every game right through to the Super Bowl. I remember Super Bowl week that Tom Brady had said uh, last year, well, back in February, that he admitted it took him a while to get used to the playbook. Regardless of being 43 years old, you know, he moved to a new team, and his whole career he's been with, with one setup. And they didn't have a preseason, and that obviously hindered him. And he was saying his answer to the question today as to why – his performances 
step up and why he becomes more dominant come the turn, let's call it the turn, come Thanksgiving, that final stretch, is because he says, you're at a stage in the season where if, if you play two games, you know, everything that you've been working on, you're still finding yourselves out. Eight games, you're still finding things out. Things aren't going right. Things might not be clicking. But around this point, you know what's what. And, and things start to click. But you have to work hard for it. And he said, at this point in the season, there are teams and players that kind of give up. And like, okay, well, you know, we've, we've done everything we can. And it may be a, a case of, we'll blow it all up. And it's a rebuild next season. But he is of the mindset that if you don't work hard, you need to work even harder at this stage of the season to win, to be able to get yourselves into the playoffs and then keep that momentum going because it gets even harder and harder because your body's beaten up and, and all that to, to become successful. So in answer to your question, I think with that mindset, you've got, Bill Belichick, and he's got he's built this this strong team in New England, and they're set up. They were finding themselves out the uh, the the early stage of the season. They've got their their rookie quarterback who was finding himself out. They are working to his not to his uh, they're working within his means. You know, he's got his his limits. He's going to improve. He's going to get better. But they are playing to his strengths, and it's working. And we're seeing it. And they're dominating teams. So. Do I think the New England Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do I think they're going to get to the AFC Championship game? They've got every chance that they can because it is so wide open. However, I think, I do think the Ravens and the Chiefs are going to be the teams that are up there come late January. I know it's a long-winded answer, Jeff, but just trying to put everything in context for you, man. Well, I appreciate it. And and again, it's, it's a great take. And I think you're right on in a number of those number of those comments that you made it's going to be fascinating to watch it unfold because it's maybe the most wide open race that i've seen in a long long time so you know injuries all that stuff's going to play a part in it anthony as always it's a pleasure to have you on the show i appreciate it very much you jumping on with us today and and we look forward to get together and talking ball real soon Go Tiger Cats, Jeff. Good luck this weekend, man. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know what? It's going to be a rematch in the Grey Cup in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, who knows? Might I'll even try care. and make the trip out there. See my bro. We'll, we'll hook up. But go All Tiger right. Cats this weekend, man. Right, Great to see Thank you. you. Aloha. Thank you. Aloha. All right. Anthony Wooten, again, what a real good football guy and a, and a real good Canadian, really, working and living and working in the U.K. now and is, uh, still loves his Canadian League football. I can attest to that. I met. I was lucky enough to meet Anthony in London uh, for both games. He's a great guy, great, great help as well. I really appreciate Anthony coming on. At A-R Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-O-N. And the Transatlantic Sports Show is at T-A-S-S underscore UK. Give him a follow on Twitter. And we got there in the end, Jeff. We, we somehow worked out the technical issues again. Are we going to go two for two in a second with our second guess? I'm not sure. But you can see there underwards, on, underneath, you can watch Jeffrey. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats this Sunday at 6 p.m. in the CFL playoffs. Oh, it's on BT Sport, ESPN, Channel 423 and Sky. I'm going to do a little double screen. I'm going to watch Jeff and one. I appreciate that. Bit of red zone. It's going to be good, go. man. It's going to be good. And do you know what? I, I know you got a guest coming on, but the end zone's huge. 20 I, yards. Like, 20 yards deep. 
Can you imagine trying to play the fade on a 20-yard end zone? It's unbelievable. There's some, the, some things that fans, if you've never watched a CFL game, you really need to watch at least some of it because it is wide open football. There's a it's much faster than the NFL because we only have 20 seconds between plays, not 45. Uh, the clock runs continuously until the last three minutes of the half. Um, it, it is, you know, un, the only in terms of motion, right, in the NFL, only one guy can go in motion at a time. If more than one go in motion at a time, then they have to come set before the before the snap. In our league, you can have everybody except the offensive lineman running at the line of scrimmage on the snap. So it, there's some things about it that make it really a unique and a fun game. I am not sure if your next guest is going to use audio or video only, but we'll find out very soon. Who knows if we're going to go two for two in technical issues, but it'll be okay, Jeff. Do, do you want to do you want to introduce him? I'm gonna get him on. Yeah, I, I would like you fans to meet uh, a guy that's uh, a great story. He's a great guy. He's a friend of mine. He is a Hall of Famer uh, out of the University of Georgia. He played linebacker for Vince Dooley at Georgia. Uh, was one of the original. Now I'm not talking about phony ones. I'm talking about one of the original junkyard dogs. He was uh, a favorite of uh, Georgia fans and uh, he had, he was drafted to the Chicago bears. And he's one of those guys that had he been drafted today, I think he would have had a great NFL career. Um, he was a, what I would describe as a long lean linebacker. He only weighed probably about 220 pounds when he went to, when he went to the bears, uh, and I'll tell you this uh, this story about him with the Bears before I bring him in. Uh, Buddy Ryan told his son, Rob, who used to hang around training camp, there was an inside drill going on. And that's when I say inside drill, it's inside run period. And it's all the DBs are out of there and it's just the big guys in the backs and the linebackers. And, you know, that, that can be a violent period. And Buddy called Rob over and he said, listen to that. And, you know, Rob being a young kid said, what are, you, what are you talking about, Dad? And he goes, listen to that. He goes, hear that? When Zambezi hits him, you know it's a different sound. And so Ben Zambiazzi was known as Zambezi back in those days. But Ben <laughs> Zambiazzi is our guest today. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Am I here? Or do I have to click on something? I we've got your audio. I don't have your video. If you right. if you can get yeah. it, you can come on. Love for the fans to be able to see you. If not, okay, we'll be I'm trying to it. figure out how to come on video. Uh, uh, let's see here. How's uh, this one? No, that's not happening there. I'm gonna basically just jump in here and say it's sure. the little video clip in like icon. It's literally it's beside the little microphone one, so uh, hopefully, we'll get it working. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, all right, hold on. This is a no worries here this this is good like jeff we can hear ben so it's uh, and, and he can hear us so it's all good um well now i got joys of the internet. things happen yeah, <laughs> it's okay yeah. don't worry it's all good uh jeff you, you were saying there with ben you think he would be drafted highly now yeah yeah i think that if it, you know in in but when benny came out of georgia you know, the, the quote knock on him was that he wasn't big enough, right? He was he was a thinner, leaner, longer backer who could run because Benny went to college as a, as a running back at Georgia and they switched him to, to linebacker and he could get on the field sooner at linebacker and he, you know, was 
was built to be a linebacker. I mean, he was, his personality was a linebacker's personality. But that yeah, was my, my story. It's a Cinderella story. I was uh, I wasn't highly recruited. The best thing that ever happened to my family was uh, getting a scholarship out of high school, right? Getting a chance to play. Uh, and I was just fortunate enough to be in the South. My dad was military. I know this is a broadcast out in England. I even went to England at one time. We played a baseball World Series, which is a story down the road. But I was I, I lived in Europe, in Germany for six years. My dad being Air Force and me being, uh, so we traveled. I have, I've been coast to coast and uh, I was born in Georgia. I'm the oldest of five. And uh, it was uh, quite interesting. I uh, got my first taste of organized football in Georgia, very young. We got to play a couple of years in high school. In those two years, we won two state championships in the state of Georgia at a Catholic high school in Macon, Georgia, Mount DeSales. Hey, Benny, yeah. your, fa your father, and I know that we've, we've talked a lot about your past, and you know, your father, who was a military man, played his college football at the University of Detroit, and oh. he played, he was, one of his teammates was legendary NFL head coach Ted Marchabroda, correct? That's exactly right. That's a, it's, it's a, that's that's true. I, I remember uh, him uh, telling me the story that uh, he blocked for. Uh, he was playing fullback for the. They they don't have a football team now, but he went to the University of Detroit, and he was from Owasso, Michigan, and he was on an ROTC program. So he had it after he finished his call his university and got his degree. He had an obligation to the military, and his first tour was down there. But during his years at uh, University of Detroit, when they had a team, Ted Marsha Broda transferred in uh, for like his last two years, and they led the they led the nation when Marsha Broda was there in passing. Ted Marsha Broda, at that time when they started keeping stats, was the leading uh, the nation's leading passer. In the nation, why my old man was there blocking for him. So, born in the spring, and they had a jersey. I found his jersey one time, Jeff. I don't. I think I shared this with you. It was the old jock strap wrapped around, like the jersey fit in into your pants because you couldn't be sloppy. You couldn't wear your jersey. It didn't have tearaways, and it wrapped around. And they buttoned in the front. Now, I act actually as a uh, a jock support, like it was. Except they found that it, 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 you didn't any, you didn't want anybody to pull you down by your jersey. Yeah, you didn't want to. Yeah, that's right. You didn't. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, Benny, when uh, when you in your formative football years, you actually played in Europe, did you not? When your father was stationed, I got to play well, one year after I after my second year in high school, my dad got transferred back, so we go back to uh, Wiesbaden and. I play on the on the team there. Now, that was quite the experience. We played against other high school teams because they're all military over there, and they have high schools on the on the bases. When they when we were occupying Europe, when we had uh, presence over there, so these we played other high schools: Heidelberg, uh, Frankfurt, uh, Rhein Main. Uh, and so we travel around and play over there. Yeah, so there was football, American football. The season, it wasn't as big, of course, as it is in the state of Georgia or down south, uh, the high school. But it was still big, and it was, uh, and it was very competitive. 
So we have, right. to, I had one year there and while I was there, they don't send scouts over there, Jeff. It's not like everyone's on a plane every weekend looking at, at high school players, right? Universities aren't sending in their, you know, universities aren't going over to scout for high school players over there. So, but anyway, because of the success we had had at the high school, uh, I kind of was being followed by Georgia Tech, a guy named Jerry Glanville. And he yeah. was calling my dad about once a month while we were in Germany and talking to my man. Now, now back then, like a five-minute conversation would cost about $120 at that time, right? So they, but they'd have, have a conversation, what was going on each week as we were, uh, while I was down there. So that was kind of fun. And so my senior year, I talked my dad and mom into letting me come back while they stayed in Germany. I got to go back to the high school and live with fortunate. I was very blessed to live with a family who happened to be the head coach, a Catholic family, uh, coach Mike Garvin and his wife, Carolyn, and their three young boys, two of which weren't even in school when I came back as a senior. One was in like second or third grade. One was just like pre-kindergarten. And I think one was uh, still nursing. <laughs> so, so it was quite the experience coming back and being a big brother and going through that whole situation my senior year. And again, we had very we had a very successful football team at high school, and it kind of was a launch pad for me uh, because we again won the state championship. And at that time, uh, it was really cool being recruited. I'll just say that about that experience and going back and living that family, and then getting the chance to go to University of Georgia. How about them dogs? Hey, now, okay, so now we're going to talk a little <laughs> about, we're going to talk a little about your time between the hedges, as they oh, say, yeah. down in Georgia. And it was magical. About, about, magical. about the, we'll talk about the, those, those dogs, and we'll talk about these dogs, the, the present day Georgia Bulldogs, but I want to go back to your time there because you years of my life. Yes, go ahead. I know you've said to me on numerous occasions how much fun you had in Georgia, how, enjoy, how much you enjoyed it, the great friendships you made, the great teammates you had. You played for a defensive coordinator at Georgia that was a unique human being and I really, can't. really, really could. You talk about a, a guy that, you know, I wouldn't describe Irk as a player's coach per se in the way that you think of players coach today but you guys deeply loved him and he deeply loved you did isn't that not true yes it was a yes it incredible man uh coach Erskine Russell uh on the D, yeah the defensive coordinator really just but actually both sides of the ball guys that played on defense uh and guys that uh played on offense in fact he'd take the guys that that junkyard team was made up of like three quarterbacks that were recruited as quarterbacks. Dickie Clark, uh, uh, to think of one. There was a bunch of guys on that defensive team that used to play, that were the quarterbacks on our, were quarterback, and they decided to come play on defense. <laughs> now, Irk you started, you Irk recruited them to play, come to play defense. You started as a running back, did you not? I got, I, well, I had, they try you out because of the type of offense they were running. We were running a veer offense at the time. And they did, they did give me an opportunity and I was doing really well at the position at running back until I sprained an ankle. 
<laughs> which really pissed off Coach Russell. So then, yeah. So I, don't that, be hurting my don't be hurting my defensive players over there. <laughs> well, that's what happened. So when I came back, and, it, and I'd never been injured. That was my first injury ever, like a, any kind of major injury that I wasn't going to participate the next day in football, right? So that was that, that was kind of a bummer. And that's where I learned what, how, how valuable ice is and how much I hated it. <laughs> Benny, Benny, you know, when, when Irk coined that term, junkyard dogs, right? Oh, yeah. That thing, because I remember it being a high school kid at that time, that thing took off it took on a life of its own and it became like an identity almost yes how did, how did all that what what was it that you guys captured with that junkyard dog deal it was a uh it was just a it was just a moniker we had we they it was my sophomore year so a lot of seniors had left we didn't have a very good season the year before we went to the tangerine bowl it got beat by tech which by the way, is a big game tomorrow at Georgia, <laughs> last game of the year. And so anyway, that 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 coin that we were just looking for an identity like we were just. You know, we somebody knew something and we opened up with Pitt that year, uh, Tony Dorsett and the Pittsburgh Panther Panthers. Yep. And uh, from from about that point on, like he, he, he came in about right at that point, right at right there junkyard dogs and he'd heard the song by crouchy right me and jim crouchy yeah. song. song leroy brown yep and he went to the band from what i understand he went to the guy that ran the band and said i want you to do something with this he says i got something i want to do so he left it with the guy that ran the university you know the halftime band yep. university band so that guy oh yeah he did he he was special so then he got these T-shirts made up. <laughs> I see well, down here somewhere. Yeah, junkyard dogs. All right, now I want you to kind of tell the fans what it's like playing in the largest cocktail party. Oh, in that the world. game. Well, there's that more game against against those guys. Well, there is a there's a bigger like I tell you. First of all, the first game you ever step on when you go from high school to that next level, to the university level, Jeff, that one hyperventilated me when I first got on the field and had to run off for my first plays. That one was like just, it was like I couldn't catch my breath. But then you go on, and then each year, your first year is a completely new experience because every game you're, you're going you're gonna to see these guys the next year, right? So you learn to be, like I said, you be gracious, and you learn all the, all the stuff that you kind of learn in high school. But then you go to Florida, and it's a completely different game all the like it's a neutral site and it's like it's just like a vibration it's just so passionately dislike the fans just dislike each other <laughs> so much <laughs> and it just starts it starts usually probably nowadays i think it starts usually on a thursday and it builds up to the Saturday and goes all the way now until Sunday. Even on even on the ride home, there's still it's still not over. <laughs> tell me, it's, tell me, whoever about... wins, it's they rub the salt like it's an amazing. I it it's the wildest thing. It still is. It's an outdoor cocktail party, 
And back when I played, you did not have the kind of security where it doesn't allow fans on the field. When the game was over, and depending how the game went, because we had some really exciting games when I played there, like the end around Appleby to Washington, uh, to uh, Washington to Appleby, it was just or yeah, Appleby to Washington, a reverse doink play, right? <laughs> Uh, that was beautiful for a touchdown. Anyway, when I left the field, before you get to the locker room, you've already had like a six-pack of beer or had the opportunity to drink a six-pack of beer. Did, you get, did, you, get any, did you get any of those $500 handshakes on your way well, off? They, well, no, $50 handshakes were pretty uh, – was not uncommon. But, yeah, there were some, uh, yeah, $100 bills. Just, yeah, very excited fans and very happy that – they won their bets and they were sharing it with us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Benny, then you, you become an All-American, right? And um, get drafted by the Chicago Bears. Right. And I, I told the story on your intro about how Buddy Ryan had really loved you and, and you know, because you were so physical. And even though you were kind of an undersized linebacker at that I time. Was a, I was so undersized, Jeff. It was crazy. I wasn't big enough. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't strong enough. When they drafted me and, they, and they, they flew us in there, it was an embarrassment. I couldn't bench my weight. Like, I couldn't bench my weight three times. Like, I weighed, like I went in there at 200 pounds, 210. I could barely, you know, 225. Okay, I could do 225, two or two reps. But there are guys that are in there ripping it off and saying, okay, I'm warmed up. What are we going to do next? Right? <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm going, oh, shit, I've seen this before. But. So anyway, I went back and I really pumped up. I got like I like I did. I went from like a two. I I finished Georgia like a two oh eight two ten. So when they got me in there, and I got on the scales, no, I didn't. That it, it, it just it didn't it didn't it was it was crazy. So I went okay. So I got to put on. I got to get stronger. I got to get bigger. So I I went to camp about two eighteen, best shape I've ever been in. Worked my tail off. Got in there, but. You know, you could see it was, it's an, it's a, you've got a, it's a chess game at, at, there. And with Buddy Ryan as a coordinator, he had, he just, and he didn't make any bones about it. You, you can play rookies, you can't win with them. So it was tough for me to catch all the, all the, all the different schemes that were trying to be done, you know, that he tries to incorporate and very successful. He's very successful at it. I just was not very experienced at it. Well, it's it's amazing because you played in a defensive wide tackle six where, you know, I mean, it's, you, you can be multiple out of that and all. But when you go to play in buddy scheme where everything is based upon adjusted front and coverage, you know, what the, what if the back's here, you play this. If the back's there, you play that. Against this formation, it's this. And, and you really have to know football. So it's really difficult for a rookie to make the team. Now, oh, you, don't no. make the, you don't make the team – and you, your rights are held by the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and you come up here, yeah, drive up, yeah, drive up in your BMW or Mercedes or whatever it was at the From time. From the south side of Chicago, where I had a flat tire in the middle of the, it was scary. I left Chicago coming to, ha that was a story unto itself. Okay, so you get to Hamilton. I get to and Hamilton, and uh, and I have to do a little tryout at the time for uh, Herb Patera. Herb Terra was the defensive coordinator, and John Payne had just become the head coach, unbeknownst to me. I didn't know what their situation was, right? Uh, so I guess uh, 
they had fired the coach that the players really liked, and John Payne became the new head coach just a game before I show up. So now, you, so you, now they're not, we're not, they're not very good. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the Canadian Football League. My first taste was the Can Am Bowl. Right. So right. when you got up here, right, yeah. and you got on the roster, and you started, <laughs> and you started to play the game. Okay, so right. the first game, so I do my tryout, I do my warm-up. Okay, you're going to play. Uh, we play the same team that they had just finished playing the week before. And I go, and I couldn't believe that. I go, wait, you just played this team? He goes, yeah, we're going to play them again at home. So that was my first game, home game, against Ottawa Rough Riders. And they had just finished playing them, Tony Gabriel, the whole bit. So we played them pretty good. My first game. It was a good game, introduction game. One of the guys that I played with was a, D, was a punt returner DB for Ottawa. So I got to see him. Mitchell was his last name. Now, what did you think of the game, Ben, when you first came up here and you saw the unlimited motion and all the crazy formations? and I, thought, I said, I just can't believe how this, this is unbelievable, how good this is. Here's the biggest thing up here is the yard off the ball. People don't talk about that difference. And that's a big thing that that separates NFL, like the kind of guys and kind of players up here, is that one yard off the ball. So when I came up here, they had everyone played tr traditionally a tight end. They didn't have the kind of motion. They had some motion, but it's a really expanded over the years since I played. But what I really loved about it, Jeff, the coolest thing is I only had we only had to stop you only had to stop them twice to make the the guys punt. You don't That's have to. Right. I don't have to stop them three times. I just have to stop them twice for ten yards. Same amount of distance. You only get two cracks at it. I thought, holy shit, I love this. Well, you know, if there ever was a guy that was built to be a CFL linebacker, I think it was. It was you. meant for me to get cut by the Bears. I'm going to tell you, everything. There's a purpose. When you go from the lowest point of your life, which I, which happened to me. That was the worst thing that ever happened. The first damn football team I ever got cut from, Jeff. It blew my mind. I'd never been cut from what? You're cutting me? Okay, Neil Armstrong, you are a space cadet. <laughs> Fans, Neil Armstrong was, so you have a context of what Benny just said. Neil Armstrong was one of the Apollo astronauts, and he was also, that was the name of the head coach of the Chicago Bears. That <laughs> so you get, to get his sense of humor. Um, Benny, you know, when you came into this league and you came to Hamilton in particular, because this city and this franchise has known I great. You're right. Jeff, has known great defenses all. I mean, yeah, I couldn't have come to a better place. Buddy Ryan did me a favor. I wanted to thank, send him a thank you note. I did get a chance to go back to the NFL. I will tell you that. Forrest Gregg offered me a lot of money to come back and play for the Cincinnati Bengals. After I'd played up here, like after my second or third year, because I kept signing one-year contracts. Because when I first came up here, Jeff, honestly, I was going to use it as a stepping stone to go back to the NFL. I was coming back up. I was coming here, keep my hone my skills, get a little bit more uh, knowledge. And I did get the opportunity, and I turned it down because I had signed a contract up here with Hamilton at the time, and it was a really good – and I got to tell you, came to a town that personified defense. It had a huge Italian community, which uh, 
you alluded my when I came up here, Zambezi was how I pronounced my name. And I pronounced it that way the first year. And then at the end of the season, I had a, uh, a legal counsel for the CFLPA. His name was John Agro. And he lived here and resided in Hamilton. He approached me and said, I want to officially change your name to the official Italian pronunciation. Do you mind if we do that? And I said, no, I'd be that. What is it? He says, Zambiazzi. I said, okay. He said, you let me worry. I'll, I'll handle that. So uh, he helped me. That's how my name got changed. The pronunciation of my name. Well, you know, you, you were a absolute hero to everybody in this community and had your, you know, had your fans all around the country, but particularly in Hamilton with this huge uh, Italian population that you mentioned, Stony Creek, the North End, all of that, you were like a god. And when you, when you went from Zambezi to Zambiazzi, you were one of them. And, you, and, and I think, like you say, it's a, it was a perfect marriage. It was, it was a great player in a it city was, that it, loved. It was a perfect marriage loved the way you played the game uh, you come into our stadium now and up on the facade uh, on the home side is ben's name with his number 31 and uh, he is a hall of famer in the canadian football league hall of fame uh, and again one of one of the one I, just one of the best guys i know really a really good person now benny you got involved in you were one of the first and I, this is because it's kind of a hot thing right now you know talk about meatless that meatless athletes oh, oh yeah 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 Contra but yeah well it's well you were one of the first meatless um, well for you maybe yes but i wasn't but i was i've been a vegetarian uh since uh 1989 november of 1989 to this date which is what, 32 years now, 33, 32 years, 33 years, just over half my life. I just turned 65 and uh, I've been uh, meat free for 32 years. And it's been a fantastic, it's been a fantastic journey. And uh, I'm very happy that I did it. Uh, you know, a lot of, it's a, it's a very, it's a nice clean, uh, clean type diet. It's, uh, it has a lot of benefits, not only personally, but environmentally and uh, and even spiritually. So it, well, it, uh, uh, you told me or actually you did it through my wife, Leslie, about a, a movie or a, I guess it was a, a documentary show or movie, a show that I would recommend everybody watch. Yes, a document. Called... Yeah. You know, the team that, the, uh, that it's a play. It's a team that's play. It's a, a playoff potential team, the Tennessee Titans. It's called Game Changers. Explain, explain, explain that that because I think it's fantastic. It's a fantastic. If you're a football fan or if you're a right. athlete of any sort, it's a great. It's a great show to watch. Well, it's an it's an info. It's like uh, you know, a lot of people are going to get doinked when they watch it. Like I look, Jeff. I went from eating meat, fish, chicken, eggs four times a day to maintain 218 pounds. Like I'm down now, my like my body weight when I came out of university when I came to, out of high school, I was like 190 pounds, 195, and so when I went to Georgia, I played at 205, 208. Like that was the range of my that was my play, and back then it was like, like nobody was throwing the ball; it was all run, like it was all like run, run, run. So anyway, I've just I went I just changed and. Uh, 
I just also looked into a lot of the health factors. I'm seeing the life expectancy of professional football players, what the actuaries are, getting financial services. You start dealing those kind of numbers and, and being aware of what's happening. And, you know, I'm going, you get cognizant and, I'm go, and then you start correlating. You get a piece of information here, a piece of information there. And you go, okay, I can try anything for 30 days. And in that trial period, you, you know, a light switch goes on where you just make a, where you have a cognizant dissident moment and you go, whoa, this is uh, pretty good. I was pretty uh, ignorant. <laughs> hey, I know one thing you are not ignorant about, and that's Georgia football. And oh, my God. You're good. You're beloved. Your beloved Bulldogs aren't good. They are the number one ranked team in the United States right now. You know now. why they're the best team? Because they got the best damn defense. <laughs> Period. I'm not going to say nothing else. They got they come up and make stops when you have to make stops. And that you know, it's like it's not like the tie cat defense is where you bend and don't break. We're like we're kind of like that kind of a defense. We, you know, we're a little streaky. But we play really smart defense. I really like how – and I like our chances. I hope we're going to talk about that too. But the Bulldogs, they are – they're special. And they're doing it with special guys too, right? They kind of have a similar quarterback situation happening too. When you look at the whole scheme that the, that the Cats have, they got kind of happy problems. Benny, they're going to go into the – National or national playoffs. They're going to beat Georgia Tech tomorrow. We know that's going to happen. Then and they're going to go into the national playoffs. And I have watched them with you a couple of times, and I have been so impressed with the speed that they have on defense. That defense yeah. suffocates you. It doesn't. It doesn't. They don't defend anything. They're attacking all the time. They got guys all over the field that can run like crazy. But is the offense good enough to win? At the at the elite level to be well, a national. I don't know. That's what I'm saying, Jeff. That's <laughs> the only. Okay, I agree with uh, that. The one thing I said, the only thing that's going to keep Georgia from winning it is Georgia, and and it might be. If, and I don't. I don't like the. I love Kirby Smart, but Kirby. I want him to Kirby his uh, emotions a little bit. Like I just. He's a little he's a little over passionate for, for me. I'm a I like the guys that said you know that the Belichicks. I'm more like that kind of guy, you know. He's got everyone. Uh, you know. Anyway, the guy's a very emotional guy. I like him. I love Kirby Smart. He's been great for Georgia, and uh, he's the he's a great recruiter. And that's what you have to have. You have to have great athletes there and know how to use the athletes that you have. And they've been doing that. Doesn't seem like they miss a beat if somebody gets injured. Um, yeah, they've got a real good, and they got some real good leadership. Both and the, both those guys are at the quarterback position are supporting each other. There's no controversy. Nobody's threatening to go to another university because they're not playing. Um, you know, it's you know, the, I like it. I like I like their situation. I, I well, like you know, I like their chances. I think their biggest. They've got to. They've got. They're gonna come up against somebody tough before they get to that playoff, though, and that's in the SEC championship. Well, you know, you know, Benny, you talk about um, recruiting, and obviously Georgia recruits extremely well in the state of Georgia, which is a hotbed for college football players. I mean, just Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, produces more Division One players, I think, than any other major city in the country. It's gone that way, yes. 
But you what's interesting, fascinating to me when we watched them play, the young tight end that they had, you know, and I asked, I said, Ben, where, where's that kid from? And I was okay. expecting you were going to say Warner Robbins or someplace in Georgia. He's a California kid playing yeah. at the University of Georgia. They've, they've done really well out of uh, – well, they've got these – these like I said, Jeff, this, this game now has evolved. It's nothing like when I played, right? It's nothing like when I played. It, they don't – nobody is running a dominant – running dominantly. I mean, there are good teams that are running – they're hundred and some, but it's balanced with a passing attack. That's what make that's what we're making teams really good. And the guys up front are what it's the guys in the trenches who can get pressure, who can protect the quarterback. How it's that, I think I think I think that's one of the one of the things that has never changed about football. You got to no. be able to win up front, and even though the game, as you say, has changed, the passing game is much more important. All of it. But you still have to be able to block folks, and you have to be able to tackle. And until I, until I check out a football, I'm going to continuously say that those are the things that matter most. Hey, my man, I've had an awesome time with Thanks, you, Jeff. chopping it up. And we yes. you got to got to promise me you'll come back again when the, Jeff, when the you playoff. Jeff, you get the invite out. I'm there, and I'll, I'll get this video thing all <laughs> all hooked up. Man, I got all dressed up for this thing. And all I see is uh, my initials up there, BZ. Well, I tell you what, we'll, we'll yeah, it's do not it. even BZ now, right? It's BZ. Even yeah. spelling it, you have to pronounce it. Not only do you have to say it, you gotta you gotta spell it differently. We got Zeds up here, right? <laughs> oh, you I gotta are go catch. I got. You gotta. I gotta check out. I gotta go catch a few Zeds before I. <laughs> Right. Take, take care, Benny. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And we'll, we'll have you pleasure, on again. Jeff. Thank right. you. Aloha, man. Hey, let's go get him today. Beat the Alouette's ass, right? You get got it, buddy. Al Alouette's tail this weekend. One o'clock. You got it, buddy. All, All right. right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. That is a one funny dude and a great guy. And he, he... Mike, let me just tell you something. Every night I go, because I'm staying with Benny right now, right? And every night I go home and we sit, if there's a football game on, we'll sit and watch that football game. And then the stories come. And I'm going to tell you something. One of these, when the college football playoffs start, we'll get Ben on there. And I'm just going to tell you, we'll get into some of the old stories from those Georgia days. About one time about the, when the offensive lineman went out and stole a pig from a farmer. And then they had a barbecue the next day and everybody was wondering where they got the pig from. <laughs> It's price. It's priceless stuff. Oh, I hey, feel bad we couldn't get a camera on though, Jeff. I feel bad, man. I feel well, we'll, bad. We'll I, I, I can see you're still here. Sorry, man. Sorry. I don't know. We'll we'll get him on. Ben uh, Owen Thomas says Ben Zambiazzi is a legend, quality Benner. That's awesome because now you know Owen hails from Wales and he knows uh, he knows uh, about Ben Zambiazzi. So that's cool. Fred Flunk Fred says don't forget. Don't forget my question, Coach. I'm worried about the direction Dallas are heading in. Is the defense being too aggressive? I don't – you know, that was a good good take you had this morning, Fred. I, I, the, my thing is not – I don't think they're being too aggressive. I think they're sometimes out of position because they got some young guys playing that are learning how to play. And, you know, like the corner yesterday had four penalties on himself, right? I mean, that's inexcusable. But when – the, the big penalty to me was in the overtime period, 
they got the Raiders off schedule on the chains and it's third and I think 12 or 18 and Derek Carr just throws one up because he sees the DB in bad coverage, bad position in the coverage. And, you know, the DB panics when he can't see the ball, never looks for the ball and he gets a penalty, which gives him a huge first down and allows him to go down and uh, win the game. You know, penalties are the bane of football, bane of good football. They, I mean, they will drive you nuts. And young players, a lot of times, because they're, you know, they're learning how to play at the professional level and because the game's officiated different, uh, you know, it takes them a little while to acclimatize, I guess. But no, I don't think the Cowboys, I, I, I still, and again, maybe this is, maybe this is me because I've always been slow with the Cowboys. Because I've seen it too many times where they're overhyped and then they just don't produce, right? But I like this team. I like this Cowboy team. I think Parsons is a fantastic player. Diggs is a great player. Pollard as well one gives him depth. I, I really like that. You know what? I'm with you because I have said that for two years now. Pollard is the best back in Dallas. He's the he best back in Dallas, right? Yeah. And when they get – you know, they've got some guys out nicked up a little bit. He is the best back. He's the guy that can make big, big plays for you. And I'm, I'm a Dak, Dak Prescott fan. I'm going to say that loud and clear. I think Dallas is still a dangerous football team. And they're going to win that division because it's not a very good division. What they've got to do is get home field for the playoffs. And I think that's, you know, that's got to be their thought process as they go forward and clean up the penalties. I've got a new thing, Jeff. Okay, so there's Fred saying three good players on three good calls and players. I've got three or four minutes, Jeff, right before I have to bounce. It's a big night in Ireland tonight. What's up? What's the, up tonight? Uh, All right, well, celebration there's of a the thing. There's a thing every year. It's like the most, what? No, it's it's like right. It's like a TV show, but it does like a special every year for Christmas. And it's like it's for children, but it's for adults. But it's like a big. It's I don't, know. don't worry. I'll, I'll I'll show you it in person. But it, it'll be like you'll have like. Two or three million people tweeting at nine thirty. Look, this is the country that sold four hundred thousand tickets for Garth Brooks yesterday. So I'm going to leave it there and move on. Hey, you know I what? Put, uh, it, sounds like, it sounds like the Nebraska Northwestern game is going well too. If, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, fans, if you enjoy, it's, it's going to be good, sir. College football, get to that game. If you enjoy football, get to that game because college football. Notre Dame two years ago. Yep. That well, game, man, I mean, we're coming yeah, yeah. to the end of it. We are. We it was are. a great episode. It was awesome. You know, again, we had our usual technical challenges, but you know, we get through that every time with the, with your wizardry, and uh, you know, it's we still got a lot of football to play this weekend, buddy. We do, sir. And I was going to say, Jeff, I've done a thing now where instead of people maybe commenting on Twitter, they reply to a tweet. So you've got maybe uh, twenty or thirty notifications on your phone. I'm sure you'll sit there this evening and reply to someone if we haven't got it on the show. Well, I'm going to do one very, very quick thing. You see that word association thing you do with your guests? Yeah. I want you to give me one word of an answer. We're going to go here in sixty seconds, right? right. One word of an answer. Um, right here we go. Colts Bucks Sunday. Sunday. Colts Bucks. Hmm. Have you Bucks. Broncos Chargers. Chargers. You know I'm not going to say Broncos. All right, all right, all right. Packers, Just to take Rams. the Mickey out of you. What? <laughs> Packers, Rams. Ooh, ooh. I don't know. It's going to be all come down to Aaron's Rams, 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 Rams. I'm going to say Rams, but I'm, I'm going to say. Yep. Two and then, you know what? You talk about that one. I'm going to use some more words on that. That is a must win for the Rams. Absolutely. And will Vaughn Miller finally get a 
Like he, oof, I know that we, we can go down a rabbit hole here. All right, hold on. Two more Bengals, Steelers. Uh, Bengals. And a big game to finish it off, Jeff. The Texans and Jets. Oh, gee. No, <laughs> nobody. It's a 0 0 tie. Oh, zeros. <laughs> what? 75 minutes of football, like including <laughs> overtime there. Like right here. Very, very. Like, this is the last thing I promise. I know you're going to reply to all these people on Twitter, Jeff. So thanks for your comments, folks. Watch Jeff Sunday at six o'clock. Be there or be square. BT Sport ESPN. A long slide. You know, obviously, you're going to watch Sky at the same time. You're on TSN, Jeff, in Canada. And I'm nearly certain you're on after NFL Countdown on ESPN 2 on yep. Sunday in the States. Best of luck on Sunday. It's a win win for me. If you win, you're going to the Grey Cup in a couple of weeks or whatever. And if you lose, you'll be in the UK in two weeks. So, like, I, look, I, I'm only joking. I, I hope you win. You're going to win. And, man, Ben was awesome. And, and so was Anthony. And appreciate your time tonight, man. All right, to all of the tribe, we love you. Thanks for coming, joining us again. Aloha. Spread the word. Aloha. Happy Thanksgiving, guys.